0: This is episode 35 of the Best Podcast Available. Happy Thursday. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble. And the virtual offseason just about coming to a conclusion here in the next 24 hours or so, Gribbs. A lot of sports news going on. And how does it impact the NFL? We're about to find out. Sports are officially back. The NBA set to resume play July 30th, although some players are backing out already. MLB finally got their act together. It looks like they're going to be back on July 24th. The NHL expected to resume play late July, early August. And knock on wood, 26 NFL teams expected to report to training camp on July 28th. A lot to watch, a lot to take in after three months of – well, nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, but interesting, man. I think the, the the sport that's gotten the most coverage, I think, in what they're doing is the NBA, because I think they're they're the ones that are are going outside the box the most with this. They're they're trying to do the bubble thing, which is is probably it's it's a big challenge, and they've everyone's discussed this one hundred fifteen page document that they came up with uh, in preserving the atmosphere. But even then, there's still going to be flaws in the system. But but like you mentioned. There's a couple prominent players that are have already announced that they're not going to be a part of this. I think the most recent one being Avery Bradley uh, of the Lakers. I mean, that's a key player on a team a lot of people can can believe uh, could win the championship, and I think his his reasons are good. And I, I think you, there's very little default in, in what he's de- in in why he's deciding to do this. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like as these players kind of return to their facilities and baseball's obviously going through a unique spring training because Florida and Arizona are kind of a mess right now with, with cases. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think the NFL will, will be paying close attention because it's inevitable that some, some of these guys are going to get uh, tested positive and And then it's about how you react in the moment and, and preserve the, the, the seasons that you're, you're going forward with.
0: Yeah. There are reports out there that, around 10 teams in the NFL have players that have tested positive for COVID-19. So, you know, it, it's definitely something to monitor. It, it's definitely something to watch as to how these leagues are going to address things. And you mentioned it. I mean, baseball and basketball are going right into the hotbeds, yeah. uh, the hot zones for this. So uh, I, I'm not sure it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, The good news for the Indians is opening day won't be snowed out this year. Um, It it, uh, will be quite the opposite. Um, But it looks like all of these sports are going to come together at one time. And then you're going to throw in uh, events like the Masters. (laughs) And once the NFL season starts and the U.S. Open and tennis is going to come back with the u.s open at some point there's a lot of sports that are going to get thrown down people's throats and a lot of uh a lot of tv time and probably not a bad thing because i'm not sure how many tv shows have actually been able to tape but if you're a network you are clamoring for uh, for some of this sporting activity
1: Yeah. The the baseball one's going to be interesting to watch because that's the most close resemblance that you're going to get to the travel that the NFL teams are are going to have to engage on. And that, and then maybe also the kind of the time in the clubhouse. I think baseball is similar to the NFL in that regard where you spend a lot of time uh, in the locker room. And I I think that's that, but obviously baseball doesn't have the same contact that, 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 that football does. So you can, essentially play the sport without having to touch anyone or or even get that close, uh, to someone. So again, a lot to learn, uh, and it's just going to be all about the key is going to be keeping the guys safe and and in a, in a situation where you're not worried about an outbreak within your own building. Uh, and then if you want to learn from NASCAR, I believe they just had, was it 5,000 fans were at, were at Talladega, which I think seats well over a hundred thousand. So I mean, that's a huge a huge complex i've been there a few times and and so it's small increments here uh each over the next couple weeks and and all of this will be important as the nfl continues to to work on on its policies and, and and getting everything as safe as possible
0: and speaking of attendance from daniel kaplan sports business reporter at the athletic Uh, With a story out on Tuesday, with the NFL facing significant financial losses from games played without fans, the NFL will not be implemented a game day approach that is identical for all teams when it comes to attendance. Attendance will be a state-by-state, county-by-county thing, an unnamed NFL source told Kaplan. It will not be a one-size-fits-all, which means that in some states, fans will be present for games, In others, not. Uh, What do you make of that news coming out uh, on Tuesday from The Athletic and and from an unnamed source in the league? So take that for what it's worth. But um, some stadiums might have fans. Others might be piping in fan noise.
1: Yeah, I mean, for one, it's, I mean, the NFL has to make a lot of tough decisions here. It's one less decision they don't have to make on on this thing. And I, I think as we've seen, Uh, as this has unfolded the last few months, I mean, it hits the country in different waves at different times. And I I think that, so that, that you're opening the door to being able to let some fans into an area that really isn't having an issue uh, with the virus at that particular time. And I I also do think that I don't know, I mean, it it really is going to be make these decisions tough on, on the governors and the people in these counties, because they know how important, uh, you know, getting people in and in terms of revenue could be, but it's going to be all about safety. And I I think that uh, it's, 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 I don't know if, I, I I think I kind of agree with it in that I don't think it's going to create some kind of advantage for one team or, or not for another team. Cause I I mean, even then you're, it's like you're going to have one game that with 70,000 people and the next week was zero. I I just don't, I, I can't see that happening. So it, again, it just, I think to me, it really, Shows the flexibility the NFL is willing to show with these decisions and not really locking themselves into one way of thinking when this thing is just changing with each passing week.
0: Are you concerned at all that with every decision that the NFL has made has been a blanket decision for all 32 teams? You know, we're not going to open a facility until all 32 teams can get into their facilities. We're not going – this is how we're going to do the draft, and everybody – this is how the draft is going to go. This is how the virtual offseason is going to go. There won't be in-person camps. Um, are, Are you concerned at all that the NFL is branching out too much and instead of making one rule for everybody that they're being a little more flexible. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm not really concerned about that because the, the game day experience is different everywhere you go in normal circumstances. You can't, you can't force a, a city to sell out every game. I mean, you just can't like, you, and you can't force a place to be equally as loud as, as another city. So I, I think this is where you can use the, the unique game day atmospheres is as, as still playing into that. So I, I'm not too, concerned about that. And I think based on what we've learned these last few months, I think it's obviously the best decision they made was to wait on letting these people back in facilities. Because I think you really have to get everything order in order from a health standpoint to ensure that you're doing things the right way and not really having a college football scenario where one team does one thing, another team does one other thing. Because when you're all doing things the same uniform way, I think that allows you to use the best possible practices, whereas I, I just don't think it's possible at the college football level to get everyone on the same level because not everyone has the same amount of money.
0: And so my advice to Browns fans would be wear your mask, maintain your safe distance, wash your hands, don't touch your face in public, and maybe you'll get a chance to watch some Browns football here in yeah, 2020 in person.
1: I said, Again, it, it, the season still is what now, two full months away? Yep. A lot can change. And yeah. I think that there's that's why I'm still optimistic about uh, about what the the game day experience might be be like for the for this season, what what uh, what the season could look like, and it's it's just going to be different. And I think we have to come to grips with that. And I, I think that uh, I'm I'm not down in the the pessimistic hole on any of this. With you know, I think I'm optimistic about all these sports getting off the ground in, in some way, shape, or form. And you just have to be flexible, and you just have to understand that. You know, the the breaking news, these guys, there's going to be some positive tests. It's just inevitable, but it's how you deal with it and prevent a, a widespread uh, contamination.
0: Yes. Exactly. How quickly you can get to the problem, fix the problem, isolate the problem will be the, the biggest test. Yeah. So, all right. Time now for our Get to Know You spotlight. We've been getting to know some of the coaches, some of the front office personnel that are new in Berea or continue to be working from home. Uh, And right now, it's a chance to sit down with New Brown's defensive line coach, Chris Kiffin. Chris, the younger brother uh, of Lane Kiffin, and the son of the great Monty Kiffin. So a lot of expertise. The guy has been around. He's seen quite a bit. And you're going to learn something or two in this interview. Have a watch and have a listen. And here on the best podcast available as we get to know our new coaching staff and a lot of members of our new front office as well. Happy to be joined on this week's edition of the BPA by new defensive line coach Chris Kiffin. Coach, appreciate a few minutes of your time. Uh, We were just talking before we went on, and the the work from home continues uh, even for you right now. And I think for a lot of the coaches – And you mentioned it, it's just a little bit easier with everything already all set up for you as opposed to trying to navigate the waters in Berea at the facility with everything going
2: on there. Yeah, I think for me and I think for some of the assistants, it just kind of made sense. We're we're still doing our Zoom meetings with the players and to be able to just keep our remote set up the same and not try to go to the office and set up a new one. to Basically do the same thing we're doing from home. So for us, it made sense, but I understand why. uh, the head coach, general manager, in there getting things and, and getting a feel for how it needs to look come uh, training camp.
1: And how much have you improved as a, a Zoom virtual instructor from the beginning of, of this to to now? Um, I think we've all
2: improved some, but I definitely have. Um, <clears throat> I mean, at first I had no idea what it was, and after a week, you know, my my wife, her family, all the in-laws thought how cool it was we could go all, all get in on Zoom, and my kids were in here on it. So um, I think for everybody, it's kind of been an eye opener of what you can get done, but. You know the different apps that we can hook up to to quiz these guys to test them. Um, there's a virtual whiteboard I use every day to draw plays and to teach schemes to the guys. So that part's been really smooth. So, but uh, just like anything, a little practice and practice doesn't make perfect; and make it makes better. So,
1: I know when I talked to you a couple months ago, you had not really been able to meet many of the players. But what have you gotten to know about your group, and and what do you like about them from just the personality standpoint?
2: Uh, just like any group, you know, you have a bunch of different guys in there, so it's it's going to be a uh, just you know a, a mesh of a bunch of different personalities but um, I would I would say that that part is the challenging part um, you know as you guys probably in your background too with all these zoom meetings you know you have different guys that come in and uh, all the microphones are muted and then you know you have one teacher and so there's not the um, I heard about some other NFL teams trying to mimic the locker room with keeping the mics on for the first five minutes things like that so you got to think outside the box to to try to get to know them so they can clown around with each other in this type of environment. So we kind of missed out on that a little bit. But just, you know, obviously I've had time to get to know them individually through phone conversations and whatnot. And just really excited about the group as a whole, the different guys we got, different veterans, the different young guys. Some of the pieces we added this offseason have come in and and been, you know, just the ultimate pros and the way they've come in and mesh. So very excited about it.
0: Chris Kiffin is our guest, our new defensive line coach here on the Best Podcast Available. Coach, you mentioned, and I've read it a couple times through through various things, media publications and whatnot, the importance of teaching and the importance of getting everybody on the same page and for people to have success, even last year when you were with the 49ers, uh, a case of instructing and teaching and making sure that the message is getting through and guys understand what they're doing when they hit the field how important has it taken on an added importance of teaching during this time when you can't do mini camps and uh voluntary workouts and, and things along those lines
2: absolutely there's uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of elements that go to that so um it's been challenging this off because we're missing the on the field element and you know we did our we had them um Send videos of themselves working out and doing drills, but it's so—it's still so hard when you're not out there with them, uh, hands-on, getting to know each other. Because every guy takes, you know, learns different, and um, everybody's technique is different. And you're trying to to mold everybody's uh, style of play to fit into the scheme you're trying to to implement, and it's tough, um, especially with the the situation that we had. So um, that's just something I totally believed in from a young age. My father taught me that as a coach. Uh, how important teaching is, and and how everybody learns at different levels, and, and at the end of the day, you know, it's our job to get them prepared mentally Sunday so they can perform and do what they do on Sunday.
1: You mentioned your dad. I was wondering, could you imagine him operating under these uh, circumstances and and using using the technology to his advantage?
2: Um, he is he's like the typical grandpa who's just faces way too heavy on the on the, <laughs> the entire time. But, we have had him on a couple of times and he's actually still helping my brother at Ole Miss. So he, uh, they've sent some screenshots of him on the Zoom meetings. And a lot of the time he's even not on the picture or he's way too in the picture, but it's pretty funny.
1: And have you talked, I mean, you mentioned your brother and he's obviously at Ole Miss right now. Are you guys able to share like what works, maybe what doesn't in these kind of circumstances and how does that, how does that play out?
2: Yeah, I just, I think it's so different. Um, landscape everything because they're trying to bring people back on campus right now. As you see that in college football, what's going on, how challenging that is, um, <clears throat> especially college kids and you know what they're doing outside of the building and whatnot. So, but, yeah, they've shared the same issues, just like LSU and, and these other programs you're seeing popping up. So, I mean, I think everybody's learning daily uh, from everybody else's experiences. But I think the NFL has a good grasp on what we're trying to do. We've covered that in our staff meetings what it's going to look like when we come back in uh, for training camp. And, you know, we're going to embrace the suck and we're going to be ready to dive in when, when they let us come back.
0: What made this position and this job appealing to you? I mean, you're coming off a year with the 49ers and a, and a, and a trip to the Super Bowl under Kyle Shanahan. Um, a lot of success at the college level as well. Uh, definitely had options. What What made this job most appealing to you?
2: Um, you know, I, me personally, I go back to watching, uh, I do, I watch a lot of the NFL Network films on people and I remember watching Belichick with his time in Cleveland and Saban and, and those guys in the room and, you know, how getting turned around, things like that. And so that always kind of, that sparked my interest about Cleveland. And then, um, you know, when it all went down, just hearing all the good things people had to say about Coach Stefanski, uh, we had some people in the building that had worked with him before. Um, and then obviously Joe Woods being right down the hall from me all year, um, being able to work with him daily, you know, obviously he's a coverage guy and me being a front guy and you know, how we were able to work together last season. Uh, so it just kind of all fit like a glove and then, and then my wife and I are kind of Midwest people and on a map we're like, okay, well that's kind of Northeast, but I've heard people say it feels like Midwest and we got here and it absolutely does. So right now we're just, we're on cloud nine. We love it
1: and how how have you liked how this defensive staff has kind of come together and and what, what do you like about about the group you're working with? Oh, we got a
2: good group, really good group. the uh, you know, I've known a couple of the guys, Tarver and Ben boom and um, and then obviously uh, the other guys we added Jeff, and you know I didn't know them uh, ahead of time, and then we were able to interview Brand, but it's a really solid group, like we talked about before, being able to teach um, but you know, we just got to spend a couple weeks together before the offices were closed. And, uh, you know, that's always an interesting time when you bring a bunch of new guys in from all different schemes and whatnot. And Joe did a great job. Of, hey, we're going to do this like the Niners. We're going to do this like the Vikings. We're going to do this like we did at Denver. And it's going to mesh and it's going to be great. And, and we all have a voice in there. We all have a say. But at the same time, I don't see a lot of egos in that room. I see a lot of guys that just want to mesh well together and, and pull in the same
1: direction. Now your assistant defensive line coach, you go back uh, a long ways with with, with Jeremy and, and and his past. Did you think he had he was gonna be a coach back when, when you first met him and, and what what was it like getting him his first NFL opportunity at this level?
2: Uh, it was so interesting that you know how it came down because um, I was a graduate assistant at Ole Miss, he was still playing and <laughs> to see him and the and they had some really good players on that D line, Greg Hardy and Parade Jerry and some guys that played in the NFL for a while, but and Jeremy was you know he wasn't an NFL guy but he was the hard worker (laughs) overachiever did everything right knew the scheme Um, you know he was the glue that kept that crazy group together and then to see him you know we had we tried to get him down at Ole Miss a number of times because he was right up the street in Nashville but his wife had a good job he had a good job at a high school there and then uh, he made his jump to Vanderbilt um, you know last season and then you know, when, when this came open, we were looking for the guy. He just, is a perfect fit. Exactly what we were looking for. Somebody who's hungry, wanted to get in, and somebody that I already knew um, has the right character, has the right work ethic. So it was a perfect fit for us.
0: Coach, in 2013, the National Recruiter of the, Recruiter of the Year, scout.com. Uh, what do you look for in players? Whether, whether it was at the college level or at the pro level, what do you look for in a football player, when uh, you're talking to him about free agency, whether you're going through the draft process, what are you looking for in guys, especially on the defensive line?
2: I know it's the it's the simple answer, but the number one thing I always say to people that ask that is good football players. Like, and I'm, I'm not stepping on scouts' toes because I do believe in size, speed ratio, and speed and height and length and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you can chase that and you know, forever and not get what you want if they're not a good football player. Guys that can just get it done and going back to my dad and Pete Carroll and guys that they played with in the Super Bowl, nose tackles that were six feet tall that nobody would even sign off the street and they get them in there and they're starting in the NFL. Like, just guys that can play the game, tough, gritty, passionate effort, right attitude. And then obviously guys that have intangibles and length and speed at this level, you have to have most of those things. But at the end of the day, just somebody you can rely on. That's a damn good player.
1: Now, looking at your group now, what what have you gotten to know about Miles Garrett now after seeing him from afar, and now now you get to to, to, to coach him? What have, what have you learned about him?
2: Well, he's humble. Um, you know, he's eager to learn. He's motivated. He uh, he's got big goals for this this next, next season. I'm gonna keep those between me and him. But you know, he's just a guy that I'm really excited to coach. But. Um, The main thing for me walking in was how humble he was. You know, from afar, you never really know until you get to know somebody. Um, But he's a humble guy that just wants to work. And uh, obviously, one of the most talented players in the league, one of the freakiest athletes we've seen in that position. And, uh, you know, he can still get better. And that's the crazy thing. So excited to get our hands on him and actually get on that field and work with him and see, see how high we can help him go.
1: And then another guy in your, your group that kind of has a unique experience, and, and that's Adrian Claiborne added to the team. I mean, what what can a, what can a veteran like that do to help a guy like Miles and, and really help your group overall?
2: On my exit meeting yesterday with him, I told him, you know, we're so excited about a bunch of things, but your versatility, number one, like to be able to go inside on third down can be a great rusher. To be able to go inside when we're in a pinch and want to play fair defense, um, to back up at left end, at right end and to get in the mix and just, you know, how much experience he has. And then when I was using the example before about the guys coming in and messing right away, I'm talking about him like he's the ultimate pro. Uh, he just comes in, he works, he's consistent. Uh, <clears throat> not the most vocal guy in the room, but that's okay because the younger guys see what he's doing every day, how consistent he is and that that speaks volumes. So super excited about him. He will have a big time role with us and, and uh, we'll, we'll see.
0: Yeah, I would say, too, the, the inside guys. Uh, you know, you, you, we go out and we get Billings in the offseason, and then you've got a guy like Ogan Joby who quietly goes about his business and does his thing, and Sheldon Richardson, who's seen a lot of success, done it all. Uh, your thoughts on the inside and the interior of that defensive line?
2: Yeah, I think we got a great rotation set up. In this day and age, you've got to be able to rotate guys uh, through games, especially when offenses want to go tempo. And uh, but even when they're not going tempo to to beat in the trenches for, you know, 60, 70 snaps a game is is too much. So you got to have two deep at at both inside positions. And, you know, like you said, we use a third round pick on one, Jordan, that we're super excited about. Very good athlete with all the intangibles. We talked about size, speed, length. Um, And then Larry just Larry's so hungry. I mean, he just works and works and works and works. And, uh, you know. And then those other guys, obviously, Sheldon has so much experience, very good player, um, you know, that I'm looking to try to, to help him be even better. And then, uh, and then you add Andrew as the you know, fourth guy right now, or <clears throat> as a backup, but a guy who can press these starters, you know, they can come in and compete. He, he will be a dominant run defender, and, but I'm going to challenge him to be able to get to the quarterback as well. So, and then we got some guys down the line inside too that can make some noise. So I'm super excited about it. Competition is going to make all of them better. I just can't wait to get to work with him.
1: What's the biggest challenge a guy like Jordan faces because of these circumstances?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's just learning the playbook. Everybody says learn the playbook because um, you miss the walkthrough elements of it and all that. But, uh, but really the style of play, I think um, we're going to change his stance a little bit. We're going to change his techniques, his eyes, his hands. So it's just slight things that when you don't get to work, in the offseason together, which we always do in OTAs and, and whatnot. Um, that hurts a little bit, but, you know, that's just going to be for him and I to spend extra time together when we do get together and uh, to make sure all those things um, get done. But he's super sharp. You know, he he uh, aced his final exam, so to call it, the other day um, for a rookie Like, he's he's really sharp and he's, he's picking it up fast. So that, that probably won't be a problem for him.
1: And then with the, with all your guys, what what about what Joe wants to run on defense? What what do what do you like about that when it pertains to the defensive line?
2: Yeah, we're going to cut them loose. We're going to attack, and we're going to we're going to play fast, and we're going to try to play in the opponent's backfield. And um, the old saying is tackle running back on the way to the quarterback. Um, you know, I ninety percent believe that because we do have to stop the run with great technique and whatnot, especially in this conference. You don't stop the run, it'd be a long day. But but we got to affect the quarterback this day and age. Um, if, if you're not affecting the quarterback and his completion percentage is high and he's, and he's feeling comfortable all day, it's going to make for a long day for your defense. So we're going to let him play free. Obviously, we're going to be disciplined. We're going to coach those things. But we're going to let these guys play to their talents. And, and we're going to attack like crazy and, and then mix it up some on third down and, and have some good schemes to go with it. And then and then what we have to do, it's our job as coaches, to put our best guys in best position to win. So we got to find mismatches across the board up front and we got to pick on their weak links every Sunday and and things like that. But uh, we're going to let them play.
0: One final one coach and we'll let you go. We appreciate the time today. New defensive line coach, Chris Kiffin, our guest coach, have you told miles he needs to stop dunking over people and providing, uh, is there, and and is there such a thing as lifting too much weight uh, with miles Garrett?
2: You know, I, I think that's just a hair above my pay grade. I let we got some great strength coaches that talk to him about all that stuff, but as soon as I seen Lamar Jackson running and jumping over a jet ski, I don't think anything can top that. There's a lot of people holding their breath on, on that video, so um, we're gonna let Miles be Miles, and and I know he's had a tremendous offseason in the weight room and doing his stuff. So uh, looking forward to all these guys getting back.
0: Coach, we appreciate the time. Welcome to Cleveland and look forward to getting you in the building and looking forward to eventually all of us being in the building and getting training camp going a little over a month from now. Thanks for the time. Enjoy these next few weeks here, and we'll see you soon. And best wishes here in 2020. Thank you very much, guys. You guys have a great day. Go Brown. want to thank Chris Kiffin for his time. And uh, again, Gribbs, just like most of the coaching staff, Continues to work from home, but as he said, it's easier than trying to come into the office and, and work around some of the logistics and some of what's happening because he's got everything already set up and everything's working fine from a teaching standpoint at, at his home.
1: Yeah, Gibbs, I've, got, uh, I've been working just on my laptop since we've been here, but when I go to the office, I have two monitors. And when I, I came home, I had these grand ambitions of setting up my two monitors set up like I have the office. Uh, it's still sitting on the floor uh, in my in in our third floor. So, I, I am dreading that part of going back in the office and having to set up my station again. I'm hoping I can get some help from our IT staff when we get back there, because I'm not good at that stuff. So, I, I can understand why, why. Once you get something going at home, and, and you figured out your circumstances, I, I don't blame them for for not going in and 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 trying to mess with what's been working, uh, especially once you figure it out. So. That's that, that's good to hear, and I, I think that uh, it'll be it'll just be interesting once now, once all these guys do get back, how how they adapt, and because I still think your your normal way of meeting with the players is going to be different this year. I think they're gonna you'll probably have to be as virtual as possible to just kind of avoid these situations where you're all crammed in a room together.
0: Yeah, I, it's going to look very different from everything that we've been told, and. Gribble and I haven't been back. We I think it's 15 weeks now. We uh, we're, we're on the verge of playing a whole season here uh, from home, so uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see other big takeaways from Chris Kiffin, who I thought was really good. And here's a guy with a lot of experience from the college level, but also has done it at the highest level in the National Football League. You know, taking taking control of that 49ers defensive line last year on their Super Bowl run.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I like what, what he had to say about Adrian Claiborne. I thought that was an interesting uh, thing. Not the biggest name signing the Browns made this offseason, but I think it's a valuable addition to the group because that the, the defensive line is like suddenly one of the more veteran groups on the entire team. And I, I think having someone with his level of experience can can really help and, and really fills the void you had it from last year when you really didn't have a reliable third down pass rusher on the team. So I think that Claiborne's presence could be huge if he can continue to do what he's done these last few years in that role, which I think is best suited for him, uh, that can make this defensive line very good and, like he said, very versatile that he can play on the inside too and, and open things up for, for Miles and, and Olivier and, and, and Sheldon and Larry out there. I mean, I think that can help uh, make that group uh, as good as people think it can be.
0: I, I also – the big takeaway I had, I think he's pretty high on the rookies on the, in that defensive line room. Uh, both the undrafted and the drafted. And I think you asked him a great question about, you know, the struggles of learning things and uh, all indications are that the rookies have been on top of things and yeah, they're going to need a little extra time and they're going to need a little more hands-on work once they get to the building and once we get to training camp. But there's some guys that can make an impact in that defensive line room here in 2020.
1: Yeah. And it goes along with, I think what Chad O'Shea said last week with They're going to have a window to impress. And if you don't impress during that window, they're probably going to have to not move on, but like focus on the guys that are going to be able to help this year. It's not going to, you're not going to have the same lead up time or or same uh, ability to work through the mistakes that you did, because you've got to maximize every bit of time you get with these guys on the field. And I, I think from from a defensive line perspective, I mean, those guys get work during training camp. I mean, on tech on fu- fundamentals, technique, I mean, these guys are on the sled as much as anyone, and that's something you simply can't do uh, during this period. So I think for the defensive line especially, they need to get on the field and, and make the most of that time whenever they can.
0: Yeah, nope, I, I would agree with that. I think it, it's also good that he has that relationship with Joe Woods. And we've talked about it on the offensive side, the guys that – have a relationship with Kevin Stefanski uh, and some of the veteran coaches he's brought in. Chris Kiffin is a guy that knows quite a bit about this. And, you know, it, it, I found it interesting yesterday or the other day when we recorded with him, and he said, you know, the 49er defensive line was really good, but it's all about the teaching part. And once they figured out what we were trying to teach them and what we wanted them to do, the sky was the limit. He said the talent's there. And it's the same thing with our room. You know with with miles and Olivier and sheldon and Ogajobi and, and clayborne and, and company, you know is, if if they understood the off season virtual off season program and the teachings and they've got that down, then we're really going to see these guys take the next step, especially miles Garrett, it sounds like
1: yeah, i mean i I'm, I would he wouldn't tell us the goals that he has for miles this year, but i'm I'm curious because I think that. Miles is as motivated as ever. I mean, this is the, he should be coming into the prime of his NFL career right now. I mean, this you know this, this could be a really interesting year, a big year for Miles, and I, I think that that it's pretty understood that now is the time to to really start wrecking some games from that position.
0: Yeah, no question. And, and again, the defensive line has gone from you know what we thought a year ago was a deep room to an even deeper room, and, and a room that you know you can't, yeah, I mean, you can't afford to lose a guy like Miles, but, and you really don't, I mean, you don't want injuries, but if there is an injury, and in training camp, guys get injured, you do have some guys now behind them, uh, behind those starters and those frontline guys that you have quite a bit of confidence in that can get the job done.
1: Yeah, I think we we saw a lot from Chad Thomas last year. I think he's poised to to really help out as well. We don't talk a lot yep. about him, but I mean, it, it, you just need to, you, you need to be able to survive those things. And I, I think that the, the line as constructed last year, it, it wasn't able to do it. And I think that most defensive lines would not have been able to survive what happened to that group last year. But it really – I mean, it, the defense just was a mess at the end of last year. They couldn't stop anyone. That, the Cardinals game was just the, the one that was especially tough to watch. Uh, so you've just got to be able to survive. No one can usually survive like three injuries. You should be able to survive a couple, though. Even if it is your best player, you've got to be able to torque around that and, uh, and and be able to keep your defense at least stabilized from that
0: point. Yeah, no question. And I, Kiffin was, you know, we're going to get after, after the quarterback. We're going to rush. We're going to put pressure up the middle and around the ends. But he also made it clear you got to stop the run and you got to stop the run in this division if you want to win football games and you want to go to the playoffs. So that will be something to watch as well. This run defense struggled definitely down the stretch, and injuries and absences were a big part of that. Final thoughts here. Uh, Dak Prescott signs his $31.4 million franchise tender. The two sides have until July 15th to work out a long-term deal. Otherwise, they must wait until the end of the season, Gribs. The clock is ticking. What are the odds? What, what percentage would you put Dak Prescott signs a long-term deal before July 15th?
1: You know, I, maybe I'm at 50-50. I just I, – because he there's, – there's an argument where he should not worry about it, play the season, and he could really cash in when he has them in a situation where they have no choice but to bring him back. But at the same time, you don't want to regress and then not be worth as much. But at the same time, as long as he doesn't get hurt, I imagine his value is going to remain the same. I mean, he's he's a really good quarterback in a league that has about 20 of them, uh, and there's always, you know, d- demand for, for a player of his caliber. So I don't know what they're I, – I would think Dallas is maybe more incentivized to lock him up at this point, but it's a tricky one. That franchise tag is a big one. But it's 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 huge. I mean, it's a huge amount of money for Dak because Dak hasn't made a ton of money to this point. I mean, he was, what, a, a fourth or a fifth-round pick? I mean, that's that's huge money. For Dak compared to what he's made so far and that Cowboys offense we all think it's going to be really good this year I mean he he's poised to have a huge year so he if he wants to bet on himself it, it that that would be interesting and also be interesting if he wants to pursue with the Cowboys a Kirk Cousins type deal where it's like three years all guaranteed uh, and then you get back in the market again it's just I think it's all about the confidence of yourself and also Something he has to take into account: what's the salary cap going to look like beyond this year? That that could be the incentive for Dak to lock this up now. That that yeah. would, if you're playing that that card, you want to lock it up now. So really, this one's as up in the air as possible. But at least they know they they've got him for this year, and don't have to worry about about this year.
0: Yeah, now That's uh, is he a t- is he the top ten quarterback in the National Football League?
1: I think he's borderline. Uh, but if you are that, that means you are invaluable to your team. If you are a top-ten quarterback in lean, that means your team has to have you. I mean, so that, that's, that's where he is so valuable. And, and will, when you're in that top-ten range and you're up for a contract, odds are you're probably signing the biggest deal in NFL history because that's just what works. That's just what happens at the quarterback position. You just take turns with everyone signing these big deals. So I think he's in that range where he is so vitally important to the Cowboys where if you take him away from the Cowboys this year, you, you don't think they're a playoff team and you put him on the team, they're they're suddenly a Super Bowl contender. So that, that's how that's how important he is. And that's that's how I kind of qualify the the, the quarterback rankings.
0: Yeah, I just I, I I don't know what to make of him. I mean he, he put up some great numbers last year and I know that there's a lot of drama around that football team and a lot of things that he's gotta put up with. And I, I just found it interesting, you know, the Cowboys extended all these players but yet didn't lock up the franchise guy, the one guy that you have to lock up. Yeah. You know, you didn't have to give Zeke the big deal, but you did. Cooper got a big deal, didn't need to, but you did. Especially since you drafted Ceedee Lamb. Uh, I, I just, I take a look at all of that with the Cowboys, and I'm like, what, what is the holdup here? You know, yeah, it, I mean, it, it, Dak just wanting to be the top, highest paid quarterback, which he shouldn't be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, but I, I don't know. I don't, it's a weird situation
1: there. Yeah, when you lock up those other offensive guys, I mean, what are you doing if you're not going to get the quarterback? I mean, that's, yeah. why, that's why they have to have him. I mean, I, I, I don't, it's not about fairness on what you should pay them. you got to pay him what the market demands. And, and your your decision is to have them or to not have him. It's not like you can let him go and then go get a better quarterback. You're not, that's not going to happen. So th- that's, that's the situation you're in. I mean, so that's why they've, they've got no choice – it's just, I think up to Dak to find a time where they can agree on it and what's most beneficial for him long-term. I think that's the, that's the decision that has to be made on his end, but he knows this year he's making a ton of money.
0: Yeah, no question about it. It'll be something to watch here over the next couple of weeks because we're not sure exactly how much there is going to be to watch. (laughs) I think teams are going to scatter here for a few weeks and Get some final days in before things uh, really start to heat up. And it's going to come, and it's going to come very quickly once we get some direction from the National Football League. want to thank Chris Kiffin for his time. want to thank Jeff McDaniel for all of his hard work week in and week out. Thanks to Andrew Gribble. You can log on to ClevelandBrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe today to the best podcast available. You can also check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Browns. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.